Good morning and my, uh, my thanks to all those who have read this morning. In fact, almost don't need to bring you a sermon today because everything that this uh, church has talked about this morning is pretty much what I'm going to say today. So I'm, I could sit down here right now, but I count it as quite a blessing uh, that you know the, what we talk about, what we think about, what we pray about and sing about every time we get together as a Christian family is uh, what God has been saying to us. So uh, before I start, it would be appropriate to acknowledge you know, the, the sermon resources that um, the Christian Reformed Church of Australia have and that I've been using uh, throughout the past year or so. So um, let, us, uh, let us pray that uh, the Lord might uh, open our hearts to his word today. Father, as we uh, meet together on this Sunday, um, we especially think of uh, the saving works of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we can celebrate it today. But Lord, we can celebrate this every day, the uh, the redeeming uh, work that has been done for us. We just pray that uh, as we meet together, that you would open our hearts and minds to the truth of your word uh, by your Holy Spirit and that uh, you will refresh us uh, spiritually as we meet. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title of uh, today's sermon is The Precious Blood of Christ, and I'm grateful to uh, Chris uh, for his sermon on Friday, which you know, talked about the, you know, the cost uh, that it, that, at which this came. Uh, so you know, the, the, the text we'll be looking at uh, in particular today is uh, from the reading uh, from 1 Peter. So brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, when we, when we think about this world, the longer I live, and I can speak from personal experience, you know, the more pain and suffering that I can see in the world around us. And the more I see this, the more that I am convinced that there's only one thing that matters in life. And that one thing is whether we are in Christ. Now it might not matter whether you have an ideal family, you have an ideal career, or whether you're a great student, or you're a sports star, or whether you have a nice home, or a nice car, but what matters is whether you belong in Jesus Christ, and quite simply, there is nothing more important than that. So when you're young and full of energy, and you think you're invincible, and think you're important, and maybe if you're a teenager, you know the, the truth in your own heart, that there is nothing really more important than me, and about what I want you might not always be really considering what really matters in life. But perhaps as you get older and might be able to claim a little bit of maturity and a little bit of wisdom, and perhaps as you see your parents getting older, or maybe even your own friends ageing and becoming more frail, perhaps you might start to think about eternity and issues around uh, what happens after you die much more. And I'm pretty confident that I can say in this last 12 months, as individuals and perhaps as a church, we've all had close friends or relatives, Christian colleagues, even work colleagues, who have passed from this world due to illness. And in fact, there have been times in my life when I've not been that excited to get a phone call from my mum because there have been periods where pretty much every phone call has been to tell me the news of a friend of theirs who has passed away that I knew from my childhood, or even more sadly of late, to let me know that someone that I or one of my siblings knew has passed away or has been very seriously ill. And in fact, after this sermon was written, I had a phone call from my mum this morning to 
you know, you pass on the news about, you know, a, uh, a family friend that we grew up with who is uh, being diagnosed with uh, cancer, you know, from, you know, undiagnosed melanoma, that looks, you know, the end times are not far away. So, you know, this world has many things that prevail upon us that make us think about what it means uh, to be living. And these things affect me, and I'm sure they also affect you too. So, in that sort of context, it's great to be able to say that I belong to Jesus Christ as my saviour. And it's even greater when I can say that about family and friends. Because for me, life would be pretty miserable if this was not true. Where would my hope be? Where would my comfort be if I didn't know that I belong to Jesus Christ as my saviour? Because if not, then I would be like so many other people in this world who would grieve as a person without hope when a loved one died without the Lord. I would have no purpose in living, but as it is, I have been brought, bought not with gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, and hence I belong to him. Therefore I no longer do what I want to do, but I do what my Saviour would have me do, because I belong to him. This is what Peter is writing in our text this morning. For you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. That is what Peter just read to us. That was verse 18 and 19. So in other words, something that is far more precious than gold or silver has bought you. Something without spot or blemish, without defect, has been sacrificed to give you eternal life with our Father in glory to all whom would believe in his Son. And the Apostle Peter is writing these things to Christians, to the elect, as it says in verse 1, to those who are persecuted in their faith. They have been scattered throughout the various provinces, and Peter reminds them not to take their Christian faith lightly as though it was not important. For too often, even in today's world, too many Christians think far too lightly about their most privileged position that they have in Christ. So this morning, I want to impress upon you how privileged you are to belong to Christ. Who else can forgive your sins? Who else can impute his righteousness upon you? Who else gave himself up to die on the cross for you. So having Christ and knowing that you belong to him in life and death is the best news. Should you be afflicted with persecution, as we know many Christians are in the world, but let's talk closer to home. If you're afflicted with illness or poverty or any manner of disruption in relationships or taking um, deprivation of your rights, as you might see it, the only thing that matters more than anything else is that you know you belong to Christ. Now, I emphasise this, for not only is the sacrifice paid for your eternal salvation immeasurably precious, but without that sacrifice, you would be lost. So many people in this world think that gold and silver is the most precious commodity to be accumulating, but it is nothing more than a clever lie of the devil. 
For in reality, it's that a chasing of gold and silver that only weighs us down and it can never, never help us avoid the ultimate question about life and about life after death. So I say to you that the greatest news is that we may know that whatever happens this side of the grave, we belong to our faithful saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. So whether you have a fortune or whether as poor as a house mice, a mouse as the saying might goes, it all pales into insignificance when you compare this to our relationship with Christ. As we see in the Bible, the rich young ruler couldn't get into heaven with all his money and neither could even the disciples without their money. The Apostle Paul wants to leave his persecuted, uh, the Apostle Peter wants to leave his persecuted readers in no doubt that a great salvation has been won for them, a salvation with which the the Father in heaven is perfectly satisfied. So my question to you this morning is, are you comforted by the reality that you belong to Christ? I ask this question because one day every human being is going to be asked that. This is going to be the determining factor of whether you enter eternal life in glory or you enter an eternity away from God where the Bible says there's only gnashing of teeth. And by all means, ask these serious questions of life. Why am I here? Where am I going? Is there a God? And perhaps if you're a fan of uh, the great Christian apologist Ravi Zachariah, he asked seekers to find coherent answers to the following four questions. Where do we come from? What is our purpose on earth? Where is good in the world? Who created that? And what happens when we die? We ask these questions because God has set eternity in the hearts of man. We cannot get away from these soul-searching answers. And the wonder of it is that God the Father in heaven has given us the answer to all these questions. And the answer is found in no one else except his son, Jesus Christ. But this answer raises further questions. Why is it necessary to be redeemed? Why is it necessary for us to be redeemed? Well, this is what Peter says. Without redemption, we would still be living in our empty way of life, which we received by default from our forefathers. Now, that empty way of life that Peter is referring to is living a life without Jesus as your saviour. And without Jesus as your saviour, you're still in your sins. So it was necessary to be redeemed, for without it, uh, for For without it, we would be all heading for an eternity without the glorious presence of God. Now, we can all blindly carry on as though our sin doesn't matter before a holy God, but I guess that would be a silly thing to do, especially since God's word clearly teaches that no one receives eternal life without a payment for their sin. You can be the most righteous and upstanding community member, but that won't let you into glory. You can raise hundreds of thousands of dollars for charity. That's great, but that won't let you into glory. Perhaps you can be a world-famous surgeon who's cured thousands, but again, that act in itself won't get you anywhere. So instead of blindly going down this dead-end street, we need to trust in Jesus Christ, whom God has sent to pay for our sins. 
We need to realise that we are not saved by our good works or perishable things such as gold and silver, but again with that precious blood of Christ. There is also what Paul states in 1 Corinthians 6. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. And that price, brothers and sisters, is the very life and blood of Jesus Christ. He is the one who has paid for our sin. He is the one who's paid for our wrongdoing. He is the one who uh, covers up all the dirt and sin in our life. And he is the one who has made us right with God. And in brothers and sisters, in a nutshell, that's the gospel, isn't it? That Jesus died for our sins to make us right with God. So we belong to Christ, both body and soul, and for all time, in life and in death. And that one fact makes all the difference. And it should be what makes the difference. And it makes the difference for Christians at funerals. And indeed, it makes life worth living in fact, when just this past week, we were up in Canberra and at the time, a former, during the week, there was a, a funeral uh, for a, a member of the church who had passed away only the week before. But as you well know, a Christian funeral is often um, written up as a, a thanksgiving service. A funeral service is normally, a, you know, within a Christian church, a time of thanksgiving where we can celebrate the passing of a member into an, a glorious eternity with God. In fact, talking around the dinner table with my brother in Can, uh, Canberra just this week, um, you know, the whole fitness and health regime, you know, we're, we're prolonging our life on earth and we're clinging, people like to cling to, uh, to life and to do all these things that might give them one more extra year on earth. Sort of a strange thing to think about really. Wouldn't we rather be in heaven? All these things that we might do just to get one more year on earth, you know, maybe eating kale smoothies or something. I don't think it's worth the pain to, uh, to have one of those just to delay ourselves going to church, uh, going to uh, heaven to be with God. Um, certainly puts, certainly puts that life in perspective, doesn't it? All these things that we do just to cling to this earthly world when really we should be desiring to be in heaven. So this is why we also should profess with Paul that we, that we consider everything a loss compared to, to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus as your Lord. In fact, we should say with Paul that we would gladly forsake all other things so long as we may gain Christ. And so it's a total package in life and in death, both in body and soul, that we belong to Christ. This means that we don't agree with pro-choice groups who say it's their body and it's their free to do with it whatever they like and we don't agree with indiscriminate abortion we shouldn't agree with euthanasia or we shouldn't agree with recklessly placing our life in danger or even someone else's life in danger why is this well it's because we are not our own we belong to christ jesus has bought us with his precious blood and we belong to him how precious was that blood you ask you know how precious is it well it's priceless his blood is worth more than all the Old Testament sacrifices of all these animals. It's worth more than all the indulgences ever paid by the church during the Middle Ages. And it's worth more than all our righteous acts all put together. The precious blood of God's Son was priceless because it belonged to God's one and only Son. 
It was the only blood that could fully pay for our sin since that blood was sinless itself. Now that does not only have eternal consequences for which we are very grateful, it should also affect our lives now. Our text comes in a context where Peter calls on those persecuted and scattered Christians to live holy lives. He's saying don't react like people in the world would under similar circumstances. He's calling us today to do the same. He's telling us to be self-controlled. In other words, he's calling us to be obedient and holy, just as your God is holy. Because you belong to Christ, Satan no longer has a hold over you. No longer can you let sin reign in your life, for God, through his Son, has provided the victory over sin and death. And this must have an impact in our life. This is also what the Apostle John makes clear in 1 John 3, 6. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. In other words, if you know something is sinful, then don't deliberately continue on in that same sin. For that would show that you do not know the Lord Jesus. And we need to be honest with ourselves. Sometimes we need to make a conscious decision. It's that conscious decision where we say in our heads, hey, I belong to Jesus Christ, therefore I'm not going to continue in this sin. Now this is conscious decisions that we need to make every time we log on to a computer, every time we play music, every time we choose a particular TV show that's on TV, maybe even what we read and even what we think. We need to have that constant reminder that, hey, I belong to Jesus Christ. Is this a right thing to do? And what's more, knowing that we belong to Christ, we know that he watches over us in such a way that nothing can happen to me without the knowledge of God. Now, we understand as Christians that God is sovereign and he continues to sustain the universe. And we do not agree with the deists who who insist that God wound up this universe like he would an alarm clock and has just left it run now. We don't, we don't believe that. We don't believe that God no longer has any impact over our affairs. On the contrary, we say with scripture that God watches us over every moment of every day. Indeed, as we read, not a sparrow can fall to the ground or a single hair from our heads apart from the will of our Father in heaven. Surely we are worth much more than sparrows. And if the Lord said that of us before his death and payment for our lives, how infinitely now um, more is that worth now? All things that happen to us are so designed and used by God that they will ultimately lead to our salvation and make us more and more like Christ. Now, I don't want to make that sound very simplistic, for it isn't. And I've met people who might rattle off Romans 8 to 28, you know, as uh, if you remember it. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose, as though that simple verse is the answer to all our troubles. But we do need to ask, to what end? To what end is all this happening? Well, this is the end so that we might be conformed to the likeness of his Son and be made ready for glory. That is God's ultimate aim for our lives and that he will do whatever it takes to get us there. 
Now to finish, I guess there's two big questions or one big question with answers. Why doesn't everyone believe this teaching in the scriptures? We need to look at it two different ways. One is that these people have not received the gift to believe. Remember that faith is a gift of God. A person cannot believe these wonderful truths about Jesus Christ unless the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, changes that person's heart and makes them receptive to the marvelous gospel. The Holy Spirit sent from the Father and the Son makes our hearts willing to receive this glorious news of Jesus Christ. Now, if it was up to us, we would never believe. The the scripture teaches us that left to our own devices, we are the enemies of God. You can look that up in Romans 5 if you like. So when we pray, we should pray that the Lord will overcome our resistance to him. We should pray for others that the Lord will overcome their resistance to the word. And the second aspect is that an unbeliever might not have heard, might not have heard the wonderful news of Christ. And as we see in the Bible, it says, and how can they believe in him whom they have not heard? This doesn't mean an elect person would miss out on salvation, for that is impossible. For all God, for all God has chosen will surely be saved. But we do have a role, and that is to bring the good news of Christ to the world. And people might ask, why do we do this? If, if, if God has already chosen the elect, it's a simple matter of God has commanded us. God has commanded us to tell the world the good news of Christ. So start with your family, start with your neighbours, start with strangers, for who knows, the Lord might have already prepared their hearts to be receptive to the gospel this very week. So in closing, let me say this, we are most privileged. You might ask the question, why us, why you, why me? And as I think, uh, if I read the song list correctly for Friday, you would have sung these words, Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart, his wounds have paid my ransom. Those of us who are saved, who have accepted Jesus, cannot imagine what it would be like to live a life without these words of comfort. Today, we have heard the very message of the gospel, God's answer to life's most fundamental question in his son, Do you believe with your heart of hearts that you belong, both body and soul, in life and in death, to your faithful Saviour, Jesus Christ? Brothers and sisters, I hope that we can all say not only just yes, but an unreservedly, unreservedly yes indeed. Amen. Let's pray. Father, as we gather here as each week and we hear your word, Lord, we just uh, pray that each time uh, we, we open your word and hear it preached, that you indeed would work through your spirit to open our hearts to your truth. And Lord, indeed, we'd hope, uh, we'd pray that you'd continue to work uh, in those who don't know you at this time, whether it be friends or family or those who uh, we meet on the street, that indeed, Lord, you would continue to uh, provide us opportunities where we might indeed uh, uh, tell of your good word, tell of your your saving grace that you've provided for us uh, poor uh, sinners on this earth. Lord, as we go our our way this week, we just pray that you'll be with us and that as you prepare the hearts of those 
who would uh, be wanting to hear your word, that in, you'd make um, indeed us uh, effectual uh, uh, believers who would be able to uh, have the spirit and boldness to proclaim your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.